So far, we've, uh, we've learned what unity is. We've learned what, why we need it. And for my assignment, I've been given the question, how do we do, or, yeah, how do we do unity? How do we do it? So very practical. Um, I'd like to start by saying that uh, Rich was absolutely honest. He, did, he is a thief. And that's quite all right. I'm, and, I, and you know, we talked about it uh, at lunch, and, and I wanted to share with you something very important for us as we're, as we're receiving teaching. Um, remember, when the Bible was being written, it was handwritten. And they were, they were written on, on big parchments, on, you know, and uh, they were on these scrolls, and, and, they, and to make the scrolls, portable, they were very precise in what they wrote. And so when you hear something repeated in scripture once or twice or three times or four times, it it means that the Holy Spirit wanted to emphasize that part of the message. It's critical that we we zone zone in on that. And so in in a gathering like this, you know, really what's happening is you have one message over two days, uh, a message on, on unity. And each one of the speakers has a portion of that. And, and it's really, as you take in each of the teachings, you're really not listening to Rich's teaching, Zach's teaching, Roger's teaching. Uh, we're listening to a teaching on unity, and each one of us has a, a critical part of it. But what's really cool is when the same Holy Spirit that is in each of us inspires us to put in our notes something that the others put in their notes. That's something he wants us to pay attention to. And so I just said that as a preface to my message, so that if you hear things repeated, that's why. It's not because we had, we're privy to each other's notes or we planned it. It's because the Holy Spirit of God planned it. And I believe he has a special message uh, for each of us, and maybe for some of us, uh, a very critical, critical message. Maybe the most critical message we've ever heard. So how do we do unity? If we're going to know how to do unity, I think it's important to understand why we struggle with this unity in the first place. I mean, before we try to repair something, I think we need to know what's broken, right? And, and uh, uh, how to fix it. And so let's start by praying. Father, we uh, commit this time to you. Lord, uh, I'm humbled, and I pray, God, that I would do no injury to your word, that, God, I would get out of the way and allow you to speak exactly what you mean to say. And so, Lord, if there's something in my notes that doesn't belong there, blind my eyes to it. And anything that needs to be said that I didn't hear in my study time, I'm open to hear and to share. But above all, Lord, be glorified today and meet every need here through the one thing that we can be assured always meets our needs, your holy scriptures. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So to begin, I, 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 want, 
I think there's some things that we need to uh, be reminded of. There's some things that we, sh- we understand. I think uh, maybe most of us here are Christians, maybe all. And there's some things that we, we understand, but I think we don't always pay attention to it as we're going through our lives. And, and the first thing is that, uh, you know, we humans are, are both physical and spiritual beings. We're not merely physical, living our lives, going through life, doing whatever we do. When man was created, when God created Adam, he made Adam in his own image. And and what that means, uh, and Zach hit on it so, so perfectly, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, eternally existent in three persons, a mystery, and yet, we're made in his image. We're made in the likeness of God. And so as he, even as he is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, likewise, we are one being. We're one body, one person rather, but we have a, a, a spirit, soul, and body. That's how Adam was created. He was created with those three f- parts functioning together in perfect order and unity. And so when, when we look at Adam, it, it, when he was created, we see perfect unity. We see the expression of a perfect God, a triune God who operates in absolutely perfect unity. And so Adam gave in to temptation and sin. And when Adam sinned, he died. Even as God warned him, he said, don't eat of that tree. The day you eat of it, you'll surely die. And Adam ate of that tree, and, and Adam died. Not, though not physically, obviously, he, he is, his soul and body remained alive, but his spirit died. He was spiritually dead from that moment forward. And so that had the greatest impact upon mankind that anything could have had. Because without the overriding control and influence of a righteous spirit, Man's soul became subservient, his, his mind, his emotions, our mind, our emotions become subservient to our body. It's, it's a slave to our body to meet its needs. And so, you know, to satisfy it. And because we're all in Adam, so to speak, we were all born with original sin, born in original sin and, and subject to the same condition. So we're all spiritually dead at birth. Furthermore, you know, I, I want to define unity. Unity is defined like this. It's the state or quality of being one or united into a whole. Again, the, the, the guys who came previously, what a great job of laying those very things out. Created or united rather into a whole, one body, many parts. Now, you know, we live with a a view of unity that's that's influenced by the world. And the world view of unity, what the world calls unity, is really nothing more than mental agreement. We agree with each other about anything, about what maybe what needs to be done, maybe how to do it or who needs to be a part of doing it. And, And though we may be unified in thought, that isn't unity. And so from a purely worldly position, and, and it's, it may be the, the understanding of unity that many of us here today have, 
is is that it's just a matter of mind or intellect and emotion. Doing unity simply means being in agreement. But unity is far more than that. True unity isn't intellectual. It's not an intellectual or an emotional matter. It's a spiritual matter. Unity or oneness. And, and uh, that's what it is with each other. Unity with each other. It depends on our unity or oneness with God. Without oneness with God, we can never have unity with one another. That's where it has to begin. Doing unity starts right there. I mean, since our connection to God is spiritual and sin brought us spiritual death, consequently, it broke our unity with God and it also destroyed any chance of restoring it. We cannot fix it. It's it's something we are born, a a condition we're born with that is absolutely 100% irreversible and terminal by any power of uh, ourselves. No strength, no imagination, no trial, no, no experimentation. Nothing we do can restore our unity with God. And therefore, we are prone, naturally prone, to disunity. It's a natural condition of man. So, universal problem, we might say. Before Jesus was crucified, even his disciples fell prey to this. And, and so I want to look at it. Turn with me at, to, in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. Be looking at verses, uh, verses 33 and following. Jesus' response to his disciples as they displayed disunity, it, it gives us, uh, I think, our first clue as to how we do unity. Mark chapter 9. Verse 33, then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Now, John answered him saying, teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me, for he who is not against us is on our side. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. The problem is... Unity at its very core is competition. It's a a competition problem. We compete with one another. We want to one-up one another. And it happens outside the church naturally. Outside Outside of the faith, it's natural. It's a natural condition. But inside the church, it shouldn't be that way. 
And yet we see it in, inside the church as well. This, com this competitive spirit. See, as, as individuals living in these fleshly bodies, I mean, these bodies crave worldly satisfaction, right? But Jesus' instruction, it's impossible for us to follow. No one wants to be second, let alone last. No one wants to be, wants to serve, let alone be slave to all. I love that song, Backward Kingdom. God just simply doesn't do things the way man does it. And sadly, man doesn't do things the way God does. I mean, it's unnatural for us to want to be last. And that's why, you know, I, 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 I'm kind of drawn to the Gospels in this message because I think I thought immediately of, of Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. And his words to him are so crucial. It's just brief. One, one verse I want to read, John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, the solution begins there. The, the solution to this competition spirit, this disunity in our lives, it begins by being born again. Because for us doing unity is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. When we come to Christ, we're reunited with God. We're brought back into unity with the Father. Born again spiritually. But then a, a, a mystical thing happens. We're also brought into unity with one another, into this spiritual body of Christ. Each of us, an individual member with our own gifts and our own purpose, called not to compete with one another, but to serve one another. You know, I want to, I, I, I need to want to make sure that you succeed and make sure you do the best that you can do and be the best that you can be for the Lord. And what do I do from concerning myself? Well, I trust myself to God. I trust my, my own success, my own ability to be used by God to God. And what does God do? He sends you to me to, to assist me, to move me forward. Because it's, it's a continual getting behind one another through our life. Instead of trying to get ahead, we know, let me get behind. Let me get behind you. No, let me get behind you. And we just keep doing this. And the, the kingdom moves forward that way. The kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. But again, we're, we're living in this body of sin that can't be redeemed. This means for us that we're tasked with giving our constant and undivided attention to and conforming to Jesus and his teachings. So unity, where does it begin? It begins at the cross. That's where, there, that's where it begins. Matthew 16, 24, turn there with me real quickly. Matthew 16, begin with the 24th verse, just a couple verses. Jesus is with his disciples, and 
He says this, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Let me stop there. The disciples grew up in a culture where uh, their religious leaders, they didn't deny themselves. The religious leaders that they grew up under in Judaism, it was all about one-upmanship. It was, it was all about becoming up, you know, climbing that, that, spirit, that spiritual corporate ladder, so to speak. And so for Jesus to say, this is radical for him to say this, then deny myself. When everything they had seen, everything they'd observed from, from childhood, everything they'd experienced, everything that they thought about was all about getting better. If I was a fisherman, I was going to be a better fisherman. It's going to be the best fisherman. I catch the most fish. But if anyone desires to come after me, Jesus says, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. When I think about the cross of Christ, most brutal, savage, really, form of execution one could devise. And yet the scripture says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. He wasn't concerned about being hung naked on a tree for all to see. He wasn't concerned about the torturous pain that he would endure as he died a brutal death. He was looking at us. He was looking ahead at all who would come to, to him and come to the Father through him because of his sacrifice. So whoever comes after Jesus has to follow Jesus and, and, and deny himself, take up his cross, we have to follow him that way. It says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I'm not stopping here, but I want to ask you a question to be thinking about as I continue. Are, have you lost your life for Christ's sake? Have you given your life? Are you denying yourself to follow him? I just want you to be thinking about that. Doing unity begins at the cross is something that our flesh avoids. But remember, Jesus took up the cross for, for us. He didn't take up the cross for himself. And that's the example he sets for us. We, take, we deny ourselves and we take up our cross for others. I remember reading about uh, General Booth, Salvation Army. It was a, 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 a especially lean time in the ministry and uh, <clears throat> coming around Christmas time and one of his, uh, you know, assistants came and came to him. He was called to him and General Booth said, I want you to send out a message to all the missionaries. I want you to send out one message to encourage them because this is such a, such a discouraging time right now, so lean and so uh, his assistant researched it. He wants you to send a telegram. It was back when they did by telegram. And he, he came back and said, uh, General Booth, we, it's possible for us to send a telegram to all, all, everyone at once, but it's going to be very expensive. This is how much it's going to cost. And so General Booth thought about it, and he said, ah, send him this message. He wrote one word on it. 
others. Others. Send them that message. Why did Jesus take up the cross? For others. Why do we take up the cross? For others. Just as he laid down his life for us, we have to. We, not that we can or we might or we even that we should. No, we have to. We must lay our lives down for one another. Unity isn't possible any other way. It's the only way unity happens. It's the only way God is truly glorified through our lives. Jesus expressed his, his great desire for, for us to have unity in, in his prayer. That very familiar to most of us, John 17, 9 through 11. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but I pray for those whom you have given me for they are yours. All and and all are all mine are yours and and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. He says, now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me that they may be one just as we are. See, Jesus and the Father, perfect unity. Father, make them one, perfect unity, even as we are. Doing unity, being one, it it requires self-awareness. A change in our self-image no longer viewing ourselves as most important, but viewing others more important, no longer seeking to be number one, but spurring others along to love and good deeds that they might become number one. How do we do unity? The the short answer is we walk as Christ walked. How do we do that? I remember I was at a pastor's conference in California one year, and uh, it's the first time John Corson was there after many years of not being, being there. I don't know if you guys were out there that year. But he, he, he did something rather interesting. Uh, I won't try to imitate his jovial manner, but uh, he said, you know, so we, we get up here and we, and we say a lot of, you know, commentary on the word he said but what we should do more of is let the word speak for itself so his whole message he just read the scriptures he didn't 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 offer any commentary uh, any explanation he just read the scriptures and so i i thought about that I was reminded of, of that when i i posed this question to myself in, in my study time how do we i mean how do we walk as christ walked romans 6 4 Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Walking in the newness. How do we walk as Jesus walked? We walk in the newness of life. Romans 13, 13. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Walk properly. Ephesians 5, 2. 
and walked in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Walk in love. Colossians 2.6 As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Walk in him. Walk in him. 1 Thessalonians 4.1 Finally then, brethren, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Walk to please God. 1 John 1.7 But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walk in the light. 1 John 2, 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Walk just as he walked. As spiritually reborn beings living in sinful flesh, doing unity will be an ongoing lifelong process and practice and exercise in following Jesus. This is what it looks like. It starts with reconciliation. Reconciliation with God, then with others. And then it is repentance. Doing unity requires repentance. And, and, and you know, it's confess, yes, it's confessing our sins and selfishness and turning away from them immediately whenever we're aware of them. But this isn't a one-time thing. I find that I have to repent rather frequently because, guys, we can't escape this flesh. This flesh will never be redeemed. We just live in it. Holy beings renewed by the Holy Spirit living in this flesh that wants to be resurrected. It wants to get back in first place. It doesn't like being pushed into the grave. And so it's going to be a continual repentance. Never be ashamed of coming to God in repentance. Yeah, I'm ashamed when I sin. But I'm never ashamed when I bring it to God. Because I lay it at his feet and I plead with him. Not on the basis of my worthiness that I deserve it, but based on what he has done through his son. That our sins are cast as far from us as the east is from the west. They're thrown into the depths of the sea. He doesn't remember them anymore. He died for our sins, past, present, and future. That should not be an incentive for us to continue to sin. Paul made that clear. We don't sin that grace may abound. But again, if you're here today and you're, you're carrying a burden because you've fallen into temptation, just lay that down at his feet. Why, why am I press, pressing this point? these points? It's because I believe that the, the the messages coming tomorrow are going to be so pointed 
and and they're going to be it's going to require us to be able to receive it and nothing keeps us from receiving the word of god more than unconfessed sin when we're bearing sin and we don't feel worthy of what even what we're hearing and the enemy will use it to keep keep from happening in you and me what needs to happen through the rest of this retreat reconciliation repentance and renewal being constantly renewed by the spirit of god by studying his word by listening to the holy spirit by obeying him reconciliation repentance renewal another r word for you repeat whenever necessary I love you guys. I thank you for the honor of being here with you today. Truly humble. I just say God bless you. Bless the rest of your day. Amen.